That's Kara with a C, Kitchen with a K. Also, my website is karaskitchen.net. For those of you that don't know me, I am a certified health coach. I'm a published author. I have this podcast. I'm officially a retreat host. I just hosted my first ever women's, women's retreat here in California. And oh my gosh, did it go freaking amazing. I am still in awe, still processing the magic that went down and how well it went and the deep work that these women did and the transformations that they experienced and the metamorphosis that went down and how they left feeling so calm and at peace and excited about life. And I can't wait to host another retreat or or basically another round of Food, Body, Soul. So this retreat was a part of my three-month-long virtual program called Food, Body, Soul, where we work on transitioning from food freedom, I'm sorry, from food obsession to food freedom and from body shame to body liberation and from your life being about the pursuit of shrinking your body to your life being about following your soul's calling and purpose here on earth. And it is a incredible program and we just had an incredible epic retreat and I'm super buzzing about it. Um, Welcome to the podcast. If you are a new listener, hey, what's up? I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for tuning in. If a friend recommended the podcast to you, please tell your friends thank you. Give them a high five for me. If you are a returning listener, what's up, friend? Welcome back. So happy that you are getting value out of this podcast and coming back each week. That means so, so much to me. If you are loving the pod, would you share it with a friend or leave a ratings interview on iTunes or share it in your Instagram stories and tag me? That always means so much to me. Today, we have a really, really lovely guest with us, Sarah from Starving to Strong, Sarah Herman, and you may know her as Starving to Strong on Instagram. She's the creator of Starving to Strong, which is a blog and a wellness website focused on learning to thrive in life rather than just survive. Her goal is to share and show how to live a full, happy, healthy, satisfying life without rules, restrictions, or reservations. She is in recovery from a nearly eight-year battle with anorexia, and she's still in the recovery process, which we talk about. So if you're someone who's still in recovery or just starting out, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Sarah shares so many like little nuggets, chicken McNuggets of wisdom with us, and I, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So I'm excited for us to get into that. Two quick little announcements before we do dive into today's podcast, though. First, Vegan Bootables, my first cookbook, is still available for pre-order. If you've been thinking about getting it, go get it. What are you waiting for? I made several recipes from the cookbook. Well, I didn't make them. Brent made them. He was our resident chef for the weekend. He made several recipes from the cookbook and the ladies loved them. One of the girls even was like, wow, I don't remember the last time food tasted this good or I had no idea food could taste this good. So that felt pretty good to hear. So... Go pre-order the book, you guys. What are you waiting for? Go, go, go. The links are on my Instagram profile. They're in like the link in my bio. Again, Kara's Kitchen, Kara with a C, Kitchen with a K. They're on my website, karaskitchen.net. They should be right below where you're listening to this podcast in the show notes. And then the second little thing that I want to remind you of is if you're really ready to, you know, heal your relationship with food, to 
become more confident and comfortable in your skin. You're ready to be at peace and let go of the exhaustion and the obsession and the all-consuming thoughts about food. You're ready to transition into intuitive eating, leave behind diet culture, connect to the woven and wisdom with your body. I'd love to work with you. Reach out to me and apply for a complimentary discovery call. You just go to karaskitchen.net forward slash apply or you can just go to karaskitchen.net and you can go to the main webpage and there's a work with me tab. And you can apply for a complimentary discovery call. And we'll hop on a call. I set aside 40 minutes so it's not rushed. We have a, a, a good amount of time to get to know one another and see if coaching is a good fit for you. And I would love to hear from you. And truly, if you've been thinking about reaching out to me, you know, you've been like, wow, I, I like want to reach out to her, but you're afraid or you're hesitant or whatever. Well, here's your invitation. Trust that little soul pull, that little ping that you're getting. Reach out for a complimentary call. We'll chat. We'll see if coaching's a good fit. And if not, no worries. That call's my gift to you. So go to kitchen.net forward slash apply, or you just go to the work with me tab on the homepage. Okay. That is all of my rambling. Let's get into today's interview with the incredible Sarah. We talk about her struggles with food. She had a relapse experience. We talk about her recovery process, what's helped her. We talk about how physical recovery and weight restoration is not the same thing as dealing with the mental and emotional aspects of recovery. And often for a lot of us, the mental components to recovery are often more difficult and they take longer. We also talk about how connecting to her values has really helped her counteract that ED voice inside her brain. And I love this conversation. Through it, you'll be able to discover and ask yourself, what are my values? And how does my eating disorder disconnect me from my values? I think it's an incredible conversation. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. Today, we have the lovely Sarah Herman with us from Starving to Strong. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Kara. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So let's just dive right in. So on the podcast, I, I say this quote all of the time. It's one of my favorite quotes by Steve Jobs, and it says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. You have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, life, destiny, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and it has made all of the difference in my life. So Sarah, can you connect the dots for us? Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are, You know, developing your eating disorder and now being on the road to recovery and helping others online? Yes, for sure. Um, so going back to the beginning, um, my... Uh, so I've relapsed once, but um, the very beginning of my eating disorder started around um, sophomore or senior year of high school. Um, I started watching my weight after seeing a number on the scale that I had never seen before, um, kind of sent me into a tizzy, but uh, it all started pretty innocently. I, you know, was like, okay, I'm just going to kind of watch my numbers, um, track what I eat. And that just kind of escalated. Um, it becomes an obsession and you start seeing results and then that just furthers the obsession. So um, like I mentioned, I that was kind of when my eating disorder started to um, form and it, it got pretty deep, but I did seek out recovery um, after a couple years of being sick and um, thought I had fully recovered um, after about six or seven months of treatment. And this was my senior or my sophomore year of college um, was when I felt like I had pretty much recovered. Um, and then jumping forward a couple years after 
uh, college or about a year and a half outside of college, my um, now husband proposed um, summer of 2015. And, you know, the, the pressure of the wedding and fitting into a dress and then along with other stressors that came along with planning a wedding and, you know, joining a new family. Um, I sought out that control that I had when I was in the depths of my eating disorder the first time. And, um, really the only form of control I knew then was through food. I knew that I could, you know, just take control of every single aspect of food and exercise. And that would distract me from the control I didn't have in my other areas of my life. So, you know, I stuck to that and I lost weight for the wedding, but it didn't stop there. Um, again, it, it became an obsession. It took control of me and I was no longer me. I was my eating disorder and that was it. I, um, you know, counted calories to the T if I went over anxiety attacks would happen. I would work out to burn everything I had eaten in the day. Um, I mean, it just, it truly was an obsession. And um, something that's a little bit different about my story with recovery um, is that both times I, and I, I think it's different for me, um, is that I realized something was wrong. I have it really does seem like two different, very different parts of my brain where um, there is a very logical side that realizes what I'm doing is wrong and bad for my health. And I, um, again, got on the scale one day, saw a number I had never seen before in the opposite direction. Um, and that scared me. That scared the logical side of my brain. And so I told my husband um, that, you know, I needed to seek out help again and I wasn't going to be able to fix this on my own because it had taken control of me and who I was. Um, so at that point I reached back out to my old team, um, who had helped me during college and kind of got the ball rolling again. So, mm. so you had mentioned that the first time this had happened, you had gotten on a, the scale and had seen a number that you had never seen before. Mm -hmm. So prior to that or leading up to that, were you someone that was like, watching your weight, getting on the scale all the time? Were you conscious of like, I don't want to gain weight? Were you kind of watching your carbs? Like, was there stuff going on before leading mm -hmm. up to that? Never. Um, so honestly, thinking back to that time and like my entire childhood, I, I don't remember weighing myself at all, except for when I went to the doctor for a physical, which is when this happened. Um, I was at the doctor's office. Um, and, you know, I grew up playing sports. I was very active in soccer club and school soccer, you know, so weight and being active never really like took thought. And then because I was so active, I ate whatever I wanted. I like, it didn't, it didn't consume my mind at all. It was just, okay, I just played soccer. Let me go get some Chick-fil-A, like very normal habits around food that, you know, it wasn't a second thought. Mm. And so when you did go to the doctor and it's interesting that this is where it had happened, you know, mm -hmm. um, that this place of just a normal checkup could be mm -hmm. triggering. What do you, what do you think really set that in motion? Was it just realizing that we lived in a world that, you know, praises weight loss or has this really omnipotent conversation around being fat and gaining weight? Do you think it was like you wanted to, was there a boy that you wanted to impress or like, what do you think made it so impactful? You know, I'm not 
100% sure about that. I, I mean, I definitely think society always plays a role. It's so hard to live in a society that praises, you know, restriction and weight loss and being the thinnest you can be and the smallest you can be. Um, but I think it was also just, you know, that, that self-conscious mind where you see something that you've never seen, you never expected to see. Um, and I think part of it was also the reaction. So I got a little bit upset and then I got some reinforcing reactions that, you know, maybe it was a little too high. Um, and I don't want to go into that much further, but I, it was just reactions that I noticed and that just kind of spurred the idea that, okay, I definitely need to do something about this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then more recently we, I, I know that having the intuition that not even the intuition, the awareness and the self-reflection of like, I was proposed to and wedding planning is crazy. And like when there, there's all of the talk, like there's like a whole new diet culture industry that's just for brides mm -hmm. and like getting in the best shape of your life for the most important day of your life. And yeah. like you said, uh, planning a wedding, I can only imagine the stress that's involved. And like you said, joining a new family, all of that. Did you have awareness that that's what you were doing at the time? Or did you learn through working with your, your recovery team that like, oh, I was grasping for control? Um, definitely. I mean, I realized that I did want to lose weight for the wedding. So that was obvious, but had no idea that like, I, I never realized that my eating disorder was 100% for, or mostly for control. That's not how I saw it. Um, I saw it as, okay, definitely just want to lose weight. Um, but what I've realized through recovery is that eating disorders are rarely ever about food ever or weight. I mean, yes, those are physical symptoms that you notice and those are the ways you manifest it. But it, when you dig deep, they have nothing to do with food. So mm, yeah, they're this other, they're a coping mechanism. Yes. You know? Yeah. A way that we're dealing with life. Yeah. So you had told us a little bit about like when you realized that you like had a problem and that was when you had got on the scale and saw a number that was low, lower mm -hmm. than you had ever seen. Was it really easy for you to be like, I need help? Was that scary? Was there fear? Was there resistance? Or was that logical part of your brain um, strong and was just like, yep, we're doing this? Or did you have fear around recovery? Um, so definitely seeing the number and making the the switch to I need recovery and I need help that realizing it was seemed pretty easy, you know, and realizing that I needed to reach out to someone I needed to go seek help. Um, that came pretty naturally. The once I went and saw my team and changes actually had to start like being made, that's where all the resistance and fear came in. And I mean, I'm definitely still, you know, that's something that's an everyday battle. And, um, you know, you can, fear is always going to be there because it's something that you've worked against for who knows how long, so many years, it's going against everything that you thought you believed in surrounding food, exercise, um, your self-worth, who you are as a person. And so definitely when I, when I had to start making those changes, fear set in, you know, not regret, but just concern of whether I was doing the right thing. Um, all of that hit me. Mm -mm. Yeah. I think the concern of, am I doing the right thing? Like, is this worth it? Yes. It's a really common thing that I hear. Yep. 
from women I work with or just from people online. It's like, is it really worth doing this? So what helped you work through that? Um, like I mentioned, it's still something I'm working on every day, but something that, you know, um, really helped me and stuff I remind myself of every time I question, you know, should I keep going is discovering my, the values that I want to live by and my core values and making sure that I do strive to live by those every day and recognizing that they have nothing to do with my weight or really my outward appearance at all. That's not the focus of how I live my life. Um, so anytime, you know, my eating disorder tells me or asks me to do something that has to do with restriction or over-exercising or calorie counting, I ask myself, does this align with how I want to live my life? Does this line up with any of my core values that I've identified? And pretty much always the answer is no. So, you know, on those days where I question it, I just think about, what kind of person I want to be and how I want to live my life and show myself to others. Mm. And you have kind of like created the way that you're speaking about your eating disorder is that it's like the separate entity from you. Yes. Right. So when my eating disorder tells me to do this, what has sort of personifying it and separating it from yourself? What role has that played in the process that you're still, you're still in and working on? I would say that's one of the biggest things that has helped me you know, really recover and, and move past this. It's, you have to realize that your eating disorder is not who you are. Um, I read a book called Life Without Ed, and that I read that pretty early in my recovery journey. And that really made me realize that my eating disorder, although it seems part of you, it is a completely different voice. It has nothing to do with you or who you want to be, who you are as a person. And separating that out and realizing that it's not you telling you to do that stuff. It's some crazy, you know, other person. I like to refer to it as a person telling you to do this stuff. I think that makes it a lot easier to question because I, I don't know. It's just like having, it's having a dialogue back and forth with someone rather than like constantly wrestling yourself. So I think that, I mean, yeah, that's definitely been one of the biggest helpers for me. Mm, yeah. There's the separation. Mm -hmm. yeah, and like you said, it makes it easier to question it when it's this separate entity yeah. and you're yeah. not fully self-identifying with the thoughts that you're having, right. That are yeah. coming from the eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Would you want to share with us like some of those core values that you are real, that you discovered for yourself and how you want to live your life? And I think that um, that would maybe help some others who are listening, maybe start to check in and be like, what are my core values? Definitely. Um, so I would say like one of the first ones is community or family. Um, and I know something that my eating disorder did, um, or has done in the past is kind of removed me from community. Um, it made me terrified to go out with anybody. It made me scared to eat in front of people. It made me miss social outings because I needed to go work out. I mean, it did all of those things multiple times. And for me to be able to have that as a core value and realize how important people are in my life, I had to give up those habits and realize that forming those connections is way more important than an eating disorder or being thin could ever be. Um, another one is definitely like love. Um, so another way my eating disorder kind of doesn't allow me to live that is it takes up all of my attention and doesn't allow me to give that love 
to anyone else. Um, so I know it definitely had an effect on me and my husband's relationship. And that kills me that it took a couple years from us, definitely at the beginning of our marriage and our relationship. And, you know, there's no way that food or, you know, being like, he doesn't love me because I'm a certain size. He loves me for who I am. And I want to be able to give that love back. And my eating disorder just consumes me to the point where I can't offer that to him. So um, those are definitely a couple things that I, I really try and focus on when my eating disorder tells me to do these crazy acts to keep myself smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else specifically that stands out as just being something that's really, that has supported you along the way? Like has Instagram created a role or like friends or a hobby or anything like that? Yeah. I, I mean, definitely Instagram. Um, I mean, obviously that's probably where most people know me from and it started out as a way to hold myself accountable. Um, it was just a way for me to kind of share my journey, write it out on paper. I'm someone who just once I get things out, they're a lot easier to face or to realize um, and come to terms with. So that's kind of how it started. But it, I never realized that there are so many women. It makes me so sad, but there are so many women and probably men too who suffer with this. And although that does make me sad, it also has provided me with a community to help me realize that I'm not alone. And I think having that knowledge and realizing you are never alone and your suffers or what you're going through makes it that much easier to overcome. Um, so that has definitely played a huge role. And then obviously my support team, I mean, it all goes back to having a community like you, I, yes, I'm doing it alone. I'm not in a treatment center or anything like that, but I have the biggest support team behind me. And I don't think I or really anyone else could do this alone. I think that that would be the toughest uphill battle and you need those people to turn to when you're having rough days or, you know, you feel like quitting, whatever it may be, you got to have support. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely completely agree. I think that it's really difficult to do this alone because sometimes the negative self-talk can be so overwhelming. Sometimes it's really easy to question, like you had said in a, um, a little bit, earlier in the conversation that once you reach back out to your treatment team and it was like, okay, time to take action. Like this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you have to face your fears and do things differently. You have all of this fear arise because you're literally going against a pattern of behavior that you have been engaging in for so long. And it's very common to have so much anxiety around the part of your brain that's like, nope, keep doing the things the way that you're doing it. And then the brain that's like, nope, but I need to do this to recover. And that, that, like argument between the two sides of the conversation can be so overwhelming and so confusing and we can feel really lost and feel like we're not doing the same thing and having that support system, having a coach or a therapist or being in treatment or having your community there to pull you forward and, and remind you like, this is what you're committed to. This is in alignment with your values can not only support you in like sticking to the recovery path, but just in the moment, allow you to feel more calm and at peace when that anxiety arises. So Definitely. Completely, completely agree with you. So one of the things that you had mentioned before we started recording um, this podcast was that you're still in the recovery process and that you have been physically recovered, but you're still working on the mental recovery. Can you share with us what you mean by that and what has that looked like for you? Yeah. Um, so 
like I mentioned, I do feel physically recovered. And by that, I mean, I am weight restored. Um, and just as of recently, within the last month, I got my period back, which was kind of the last, yes, <laughs> so excited about that. But um, last kind of sign of physical health that I was looking for. Um, and I have been weight restored for probably a year and a half, if not longer. Um, and yet I still feel like I am in the recovery process. And to me, that's because beyond being, I mean, recovery from an eating disorder, yes, 100% always includes weight gain typically. And, um, you know, gaining back that physical health, but by like, by far the biggest recovery is in your mind and retraining your thought process, your habits, like you mentioned, like everything about the way you lived and the way you ate and the way you exercised. And I mean, pretty much every aspect of your life has to be reworked and that can take a long time. So I am still trying to get around that and realizing that, you know, it was my eating disorder in control for that long. I did not, I, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know the word ironic because people resort to eating disorders or controlling their food because they feel out of control in other areas of like their life. So they think controlling their food will give them that sense of, you know, being okay and in control. But what happens is the eating disorder takes control and you're not in control at all. And, you know, so I'm trying to realize that that may still be the case and that there are times where my eating disorder still has control over me and I'm still working to gain back that complete control of my life and how I act and how I live. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a daily thing. And, and I do believe that, you know, um, those thoughts will kind of always be there in the back of my mind. I, but I do believe in full recovery and that although those thoughts are there, they won't affect me at some point. So still working on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved what you had said, um, was that when you are feeling out of control in your life, like you can feel like you're not doing a good job at work or you're not doing a good job in school or you're not doing a good job in your relationships. Like you just feel like you're not doing a good job in life. Often one of the ways that we'll try to like feel as if we're doing okay in life, that we have our life in order is we'll reach to like food and exercise and like finding control in that area. And that's partly because like society praises that we praise restriction. We praise willpower. We praise deprivation. Like you're so good for ordering the salad when everyone's eating the pizza. And so it is a way that we sort of fill in that gap and we try to give ourselves that feeling. And like you said, it's very easy for that to then take control of us. And so control becomes an illusion in that sense that your need to be in control ends up controlling you such that you're not in control. Yes. And it's a little bit of a paradox. Yes. The more you need to be, the more you have that desire to be in control, often the less in control you actually are because that need is running your life. Yeah. AKA the eating disorder. Um, but I, I really, would also love to know, can you share with us a little bit about the body image piece? And is that a part of this, like the mental recovery that you're talking about? And what has that been like for you? Um, definitely a huge part, you know, I, and I mean, we are all subject to body image issues, body, bad body image days. I mean, even pro, you know, the 
quote unquote most fit or most beautiful woman in the world who have, like we all have different ideas, but what our society calls that um, has bad body image days. It's just part of life is what I've come to realize. Um, and with that though, I have begun to think of it, as, you know, body image is just that it's an image. It's a photo. I mean, it's temporary. It is what your mind sees and it can change from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, outfit to outfit. Like it changes so consistently. So how can we put so much weight in something that is going to change depending on what pair of jeans I have on? Um, so I really try and focus on the fact that it's so temporary and that everyone battles it and that it shouldn't define, you know, how I act that day or it shouldn't, you know, make me stop living my life because I look, you know, I feel self-conscious in an outfit I have on. Um, and it's, I mean, it's definitely something also that plays into, um, this idea that I have around, you know, body love. And I, that's very aspirate. Like I would love to have body love. Um, but I can't say that I would or ever will. I would say I strive more for body liberation and the idea that, you know, I am free to be who I am and free to let my body be how it is. And no, I don't have to love it every single minute of every day. And I probably won't, but again, that shouldn't stop me from moving it in the way I want or feeding it the way I want. And, you know, body image just I don't it's it's there and it's you're gonna have good and bad days and you just have to accept that and then not let it affect you mm. so yes and sometimes easier said than done so when you are having a bad body image day you had mentioned some of the things that you'll kind of tell yourself like it doesn't define me and are there other tools or strategies that you utilize when you are having a bad body image day that like help you through that process? Yes. Um, so, uh, one thing, I mean, I typically do, and this may sound, you know, trivial, but I honestly, I put on the, probably one of the bigger t-shirts I have. I put on sweatpants. I make myself comfortable because there's no point in wearing things that you feel self-conscious in. And like, you know, just be comfortable so that you're not constantly reminded of, okay, these jeans feel tighter. or I look bigger, whatever you're thinking about yourself. Um, and then definitely trying to do things to take my mind off of it. So like, don't go stand in front of a mirror or constantly look at it, you know, realize, okay, not looking my greatest today, or I don't feel like I do go do something else. You know, like mine is usually going to the kitchen. I love being in the kitchen. It takes my mind off of things. It's a way for me to kind of get out of my own head and just play around. Um, but maybe that's going for a walk or, you know, watching a movie, reading a book, whatever it may be, just try and like not spend your time focusing on the fact that you don't like the way you look that day. Um, and, and really try and take your mind and, and put it on something else. Mm, yeah, those are two really, really fabulous tips. So like you said, get comfortable, like get out of the clothes that are tight or that are pinching you or that are whatever, get comfortable. I think that is an incredible practical tip that those listening, yo, walk away with that. And then two, take your mind off of it, right? Go do something else to get your mind on another topic as opposed to fixating on it. So those were really awesome, practical, actionable things. 
to do. So I would love to kind of touch on, um, you have a chronic illness, ulcerative colitis. Am I saying that right? Yeah. 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 And you had mentioned that it has recently affected your body image journey. Can you share with us a little bit about how that has impacted you and what you've, how you've been working through it? Yeah. Um, so like you mentioned, I have ulcerative colitis and, you know, it didn't really play a huge role in my eating disorder per se or recovery really up until recently. Um, I was having a few flares over the last year or two where, you know, um, and flares can present in several different ways in different people. But one of my major symptoms is bloat. And like I mentioned to you too, bloat definitely affects those of us with UC, but it also affects pretty much everyone. We all deal with it, especially as women, you know, that time of the month can definitely cause bloating as well. So, um, and then bloat obviously causes us to have different body image. You know, our, our stomachs are protruded a little more than they would be typically. And, um, so for me that happened a little bit more often than, you know, usual. And I think that, um, realizing it. So when I was in my eating disorder and that would happen, I would say, you know, that bloat is there and my stomach looks like that because I've eaten too much or because I didn't work out today. You know, those usual, you know, suspects that we always go to when we have a little bit of a bigger belly. Um, and now what I've realized through recovery is that that bloat has one, even if it does have to do with what you ate earlier in the day, it is not permanent. It will not be there probably when you wake up. It is just a natural reaction that our bodies have. But then too, with me having ulcerative colitis, it was me reminding myself that I have a disease. And a lot of the times I can't control these flares or how they present themselves. So it's really, again, separating myself and who I am and what I look like from the disease itself and realizing that the disease is not me and it's not like this bloat is due to that. It's not because of anything I did or what I didn't do. Um, so that it's again, that separation and really realizing that you are not your disorder or disease. Mm, Yeah. Super powerful perspective, like kind of a paradigm shifting perspective. And I also loved how you said that it's temporary. It might not be here when you wake up. And to really acknowledge that it might not be something that you did intentionally, therefore it doesn't really require like a course correction type of action. Like, oh, I need to eat differently or, oh, I need to exercise. But really being like, this just happens, man. This just happens. And I wanted to touch on something with that too. I just remembered um, something else that, you know, my eating disorder, you know, as you get stronger in recovery and are easy, it's easier for you to push away those thoughts your eating disorder tries to grasp onto things that it can still hold on to, to stay present. Um, and that's definitely something that it did with my ulcerative colitis. It, it made me feel or made me think that I needed to restrict certain foods that are triggering for other people's ulcerative colitis. So dairy, gluten, I mean, there's a bunch of different ones, but it made me think I need to cut those foods out in order to help my ulcerative colitis. But I have never had a reaction to those specific triggering foods. So it was me reminding myself that, you know, this is just my eating disorder trying to get its way back in. And like, like I've mentioned before in my Instagram, your eating disorder will use every tool in its toolbox to stay there. So you just have to realize that it's grabbing at those tools and those wrenches to try and stay present in your life. But it, 
it's probably lying and just trying to, you know, manipulate you like it always does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. I love that. I love just pointing that out that like, it's, it's hard to, to, to recover because your eating disorder is like actively fighting to stay in yes. charge. Like power loves power. Yes. Yes. And he's been all powerful for a long time. So yeah. Yeah. So what words of wisdom do you have for those who are struggling with an eating disorder, who are struggling with perhaps both a chronic illness that affects their body image and an ED? Like what are just some of the things that like you tell yourself all of the time or you've been told throughout this journey that have made a difference for you? Um, definitely like separate yourself. I mean that like just coming to terms with the fact that your eating disorder is something completely different from you. It is not who you are. Like just makes it that much easier to battle him to realize that like none of us are perfect. And I mean, at least in my case, my eating disorder was striving to make me perfect and that is just such an unattainable goal. And um, I think realizing that we're not perfect, but we are perfect in the way we are. Mm-hmm. You like being thinner and smaller isn't going to make us like, that's not what makes you lovable. That's not what makes you worthy. And it took me a long time to realize that because looking back now, my family, my friends, my community didn't love me anymore. Than they do now when I was smaller. So um, just kind of remembering that. And then like a quote that my grandma always said, and my mom always reminds me of now is tie a rope and hold on. Recovery is hard. I mean, it is hard, hard, hard. And I wish I could say that it's, it gets easier and it, it will as you get stronger, but it's still something that you have to work on every day. And there are days where you're going to feel like quitting, but I just tie a knot and hold on because it is worth it. And like you mentioned before, people have questioned and you see it on Instagram. Is it worth it? Are you, are you happy you chose it? I do not regret choosing recovery one day. And yeah, those hard days are there, but I still don't regret going down the road, road to recovery. So just keep going no matter how hard it gets. Yeah. I love the visual nature of tying a rope and hanging on. I love things that you can visualize. And I think that that's really powerful for people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So we had talked about this a little bit before we hit record, but one of the things that you really love, and you had mentioned, you had alluded to it here that really gets you out of your head that allows you to to feel self-expressed and joy and have fun and be creative is making really delicious, yummy food. And you share a ton of that on Instagram. So How has cooking and sharing meals played a role in your food freedom journey? Um, So I have actually always loved to bake, um, even, you know, in my college days during that eating disorder. But the difference is, is back then I would bake all the time and obviously never let myself eat it. I gave it to my roommate. um, And I think something, you know, I fell back in love with it more recently over the last couple of years through recovery. But the difference is now is that it's, it's giving me a chance to challenge myself. Like I make these foods and I eat them. I allow myself to eat them. And I think a huge part of recovery is, you know, challenging, challenging yourself with your fear foods and put, and the only way to do that 
is to do it. Um, and so, yes, I have fun in the kitchen and no, I don't eat all of what I bake because I just physically can't do that. But I always make sure that I am allowing myself to eat it when I want it and, you know, just having it there in front of me and also, um, you know, playing with ingredients and, and doing more with food really helps me like realize how beneficial it is and how, you know, how good it is for you. Food is good. Food is medicine. It is fuel. Um, and the more I play around with it and the more I let myself eat it, the more I realize how many benefits it has. So um, definitely getting in the kitchen has allowed me to really realize, you know, how great food actually is when it was something that I was terrified of for so long. Mm. Yes. Yes, sister. Yes. That's so beautiful. So tell us about your warrior sweatshirts, why you made them, what they represent. Um, yes. So I am someone, one, I live in sweatshirts. I luckily I work remote. Um, so I can pretty much wear sweatshirts and sweatpants all day. So I wanted to create something that one, I would wear all the time. Um, but you know, the word warrior to me, I obviously have my eating disorder community, um, on Instagram, but I also have a community of, um, ulcerative colitis or IBD warriors. And, um, I wanted to use that word to make it kind of all encompassing. We are all going through something, whether it's big, small, you know, health wise, whatever it, family issue, like whatever it is, we are all going through something and we are all warriors. We are all battling it and we are working to better ourselves, better our lives, you know, just fight back. And that is why I created them because I wanted them to be something that anyone could wear and just realize how strong they are for battling whatever it is they're going through. Mm, so cool. I love that. It's like, it kind of reminds me of that one scene in the movie, Never Been Kissed. Have you seen that? Where like the coach is like, I put on my helmet signed by Gordy Howell. And he's like, Gordy Howell guys. And like, nobody knows, but he, like they're yeah. talking about the power of like costumes yeah, and putting on a disguise. And so it's yeah. like you put on this sweatshirt and you really like anchor into that internal strength that you have. So cool. Yeah. That's what I was aiming for. So no, I think you like bullseyed that one. Thank you. Do you have a favorite quote or one or two or one you turn back to or a mantra or an affirmation or something? Um, just the biggest, I mean, it's not a quote said by someone famous, but like I mentioned the one from my grandma that my mom always repeats to me that I, you know, have to remember when I'm down in the dumps, not feeling great. It's just tie a knot and hold on because that pulls you out of some deep spots. No, I mean, it's simple and it's short, but it's to the point and you just have to remember that it, things get better. It, mm -hmm. it always gets better. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Two last questions. You have advice for your 20 year old self. Um, I mean, this is advice I could probably give myself every day, but like, don't stress so much. I mean, we're stressed about everything and anything. I mean, I mean, literally everything causes me personally stress, but like, it's just let the small things go. Let the idea of perfection or like, just trying to be who you think you should be, let that stuff go, be who you want to be. And those who love you will still love you and will love you more. And those who don't, don't matter. <laughs> like 
that's not everyone's going to love you and that's okay. So just kind of let the small things go, like be who you want to be and love yourself for it. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Where can everybody find you, Sarah? Um, so I am at starving underscore two underscore strong on Instagram. And I also have a blog called starving strong.com. Mm, and you also have an ebook. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, it's called strong and satisfied and it has, um, 25 recipes and 20 workouts. And that can be found, um, through my website or on my Instagram as well. And your sweatshirts, are they on your website too? They are no longer for sale. Oh no. You sell out. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> sorry, but if, if there's interest, I will try and do them again because I wear mine almost every day. So, okay. Well, those listening, if you want a warrior sweater, you got to DM Sarah and be like, Hey girl, <laughs> Hey girl. Hey, yeah. well, this was amazing. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing with us what your processes look like and that you're still going through it and that it's a work in progress and that you have good days and bad days. And I know that those listening are going to resonate and take a lot from this. So thank you so much for being here. It was great to have you on. Thank you, Kara. It was great talking to you. Hold up. Wait a minute. Don't go yet. Did you like this episode? Did it bring you value? Was it helpful? If so, would you please share it with a friend, leave a ratings and a review on iTunes, share it on your Instagram stories. That is the most helpful thing you can do in return to help keep the podcast going. I hope you got a lot out of today's interview with Sarah. I think she is so awesome. Go follow her, go check her out and I'll see you guys all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. 